Welcome to the Thrive Vineyard Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Molly Kiefer. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit thrivevineyard.com. Good to see you guys. Let's just turn our hearts just back um, here towards what God wants to do in the Word. Um, So Lord, here we are. I love the different ways that you reach us, that you speak to us, that you move us. Um, worship and giving and then the, then the word. It's just such a, it's, you know, it's just, yeah, it just overwhelms our hearts sometimes that you're so kind, that you make yourself so available, want us to know you, how to live on this earth and prepare for eternity. So here we are, just ready to hear from your heart again in this time in the word. So meet us in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I wanted to share with you a little bit of my internal conflict because I realized that much of what I want is often a big jumbled mess. So a lot of times um, I realize when I'm thinking about my desires, I realize, you know what, I want to be really organized and structured, but I also want to be like free-spirited and creative. I do. I want both of those things. I want little Debbie and big abs. I love my snack case. But I, you know, you, I want the, the health benefits of good food. I want to be radically generous. But I also really want a large savings account to rely on. I want to um, make meals that um, require no cleanup, clean up their fast, but they're healthy and they're full of whole foods, right? I want deep friendships, but I don't really want to be vulnerable with people. I kind of want to present parts, the good part of myself, right? Uh, this is happens often. I love my Aldi finds. I, I get there. I see all the snacks. I want them all on sale. But then I get home, I'm like, I don't want to put these in my pantry. It's so clean and organized, right? Like, where am I? I don't want the clutter of them, but I want them. I want to know God deeply, but I still want a really comfortable life. I want to follow Jesus. I do. I want to follow him, but I still want to be in charge all of the time. And a lot of times when I think about my life, I'm like, I just feel like one big giant oxymoron. Or you can take the oxy part. Sometimes I just feel like the moron of that, right? Do you feel, do you guys feel this? Do you ever feel torn by these conflicting interests and desires in your life? The overload, I find the overload of desires can be overwhelming. And now David knew the cost of of divided desires and what that looked like and how that could crowd out his heart. And he prayed this in Psalm 8611. He prayed this prayer where he just simply said, God, give me an undivided heart that I could fear your name. Give me an undivided heart so I can live with you as I want to live with you. Now that word undivided heart, it's literally translated a double heart, a double heart. And human design was not meant to thrive with two hearts, with a double heart. Meet Hannah Clark, this young girl. She was known as the girl with two hearts. And Hannah um, was born with a really, really weak heart. I mean, she was two years old. The doctors were, they decided, listen, in order for her to survive, because this little weak heart isn't able to do its job in her little body, they had to provide, they had to perform a a saving transplant and provide another heart. And they did something that they've never done before. They did what was called a piggyback surgery. And they took a transplant heart and actually piggybacked it on her weak heart. 
And what they did is they were hoping that um, this new heart would take the load off the weak heart so it could recover and restore. And, um, and it was a successful surgery. And Hannah lived and she, um, she continued on. And in one sense, she lived because that heart was now working. But in the other sense, it was a rough go because she spent the next 10 years in and out of the hospital um, because her body was fighting, was essentially attacking that second heart. And so she, was, uh, she developed cancer and she, uh, was, it was kind of this constant fight. Uh, in her body. And finally, when she hit 12 years of age, they realized, listen, this, your body is actually rejecting the new heart. It's attacking that new heart, and we have to get that out. And they actually took that, that uh, second heart out, and that first heart actually had enough time to recover, and it was a successful, happy ending. But the point is this, you can't have two hearts in one body that your we will uh, like this like Hannah's one will be rejected right we'll fight against one so that only one can really rule only one heart can really rule and that's why David prayed God give me an undivided heart a double heart will not do and the deal is this guys we think, I think at least, that all the desires can just coexist happily. I want them to just all get along in my one life. But here is the nature of other desires. We read about what they are actually like. In uh, the parable of the seed in the soils of our heart, Jesus is teaching in Mark 4. And this is what he says. He says this, But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, And here we go. The desires for other things, for multiple things, they come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. So here is the nature of other desires or multiple desires in one life. They're chokers. They can't, they can't just stay in their own space. They're designated areas. They can't just be like, okay, out in the periphery somewhere. No, they work their way in and they, they, they suck the space and the oxygen and the sunlight that is needed from the seed that God wants to grow and be fruitful in our lives. It's just the nature of multiple desires. One has to rule. And I know I am prone to this. I am absolutely prone to many desires in one life. And here's what I know, though, for sure. I actually, when it comes down to it, I don't want the lesser desires to come and choke out the seed that I really want to grow. I actually want to give that seed the plans that God has, his word, the things he said, his, his, the identity that he's worked in my life, the inheritance that he has given through Jesus. I want that to have the sunlight, the oxygen, the space it needs to take over and be everything it was meant to be, to grow and multiply in my life. And it's what I want for you too. So David prayed it, and Jesus is going to show us how to live it. He's going to show us how to live out this place of one heart where it can have the space it needs to grow and take over. And this is in um, one of Jesus's most famous sermons of all time. In fact, Kevin and I watched it again on The Chosen last night. It is the Sermon on the Mount. It's the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus is giving um, his followers, he's giving those who would come after him the way through life on this earth. He's going to speak to the overload of the desires that we, would, that we face with, that pull us, that, that tend to uh, you know, just be divisive in our hearts. He's going to show us, here's what should rule. Here's what matters most. The rule we should live by. And I'm going to pick up just part of it in Matthew 6. And this is what Jesus said. He said this. I'm going to start in verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, 
what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothes? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. So here Jesus is getting to the heart of the issue. He is addressing the anxiety, the worry, the overload that we tend to live in, in this human experience, in this life. And what I think is so fascinating is that Jesus is saying this is not a cultural issue. It's not part of society. It's not a technological issue, right? The things that we tend to blame the overload of our lives on and the complexity and anxiety of our lives on, we tend to, don't we kind of go, it's the times we live in, right? It's society, it's the culture, it's this, it's that. Well, Jesus is saying this in his time which we would think would be a much simpler time, right? We always just daydream back to like, if I just lived in the 1950s, it was such a simpler time, right? And then everything would be fine. No, Jesus is saying this in this time before smart devices and technology and binge watching and AI and travel teams and all the things that, that make, we think that make life so complex in this day. And he's saying this, he's like, listen, these divisive desires and the assault kind of that they bring and the complexity that you are dealing with, the overload of your soul. Listen, it is not about the external inputs. It isn't about the situation, the circumstance that you are in. No, listen, this is internal. This is an in Internal issue. So here's what he's saying. Jesus is saying that there is a way to displace the worry and the anxiety and the overload, the soundtrack of our day-to-day life. He's saying there is a way to live peaceful in the noisy culture that you live in, in the life you live in with its troubles and with its pulls. There is a way to offload some of the complexity that we weren't meant to carry in this life. To live in that peace that we really long for. And here's what he said. He said this. This is a surprise. It doesn't come from organizing your closet, Molly. It doesn't come when the next season, when the kids are grown, or when you finished your education, or when you finally got the job, right? It doesn't come from anything external. It doesn't come, how many of us, we think, if I just escaped to the cabin in the woods, if I just lived on, was it Walden Pond? I want to say Golden Pond, but it's, I don't know. Okay, they're all right. It doesn't come from those things. Here's where it comes from. This is what Jesus says. I'm going to zoom us in in verse 31. So do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. So right here, he's contrasting. Do you see it? There's two ways of living. He describes one like this. It's kind of what the pagans are doing or the non-God worshipers. What they're doing is he describes it as a life that runs after many things. They run after many things. And that word run after, it's actually the same root word as seek. It can be translated seek in other places just like he uses down below. But they're running after. They have many desires, many things that are pulling on them that they want out of life. They're pulled towards many different desires in the end. They're running after many things. 
He contrasts that and he says, but, or instead, and he's talking about God followers and the way of life that we long for, where life can spread out and be all that God has designed. Instead, he says this, aim all of your life towards the kingdom of God. Aim all of your life, his, all of we have, everything that we have towards his ways, his presence, eternal things, first, above all else, right? It's an outranking. It's something that would influence. It's something that would drive, that would pull. It's this one priority. So Jesus is saying this, listen, pursue one thing. Pursue this one thing, the simplicity that comes from this priority. Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek it first. And Kevin, last week kind of gave us an overview of the kingdom of God. And if you weren't here, I would say go back and listen to it again. It was such a great kind of uh, overview of a really, really important and big concept for us. And Kevin described it. He defined the kingdom of God as, as God's rule. It's his will. It's as it is in heaven that could come to and break into earth. It's where God is in charge where it's about his governance and, and he reign, reigns supremely and sovereignly above it all, right? So here's the big concept of what Jesus is saying. If we can take this big kingdom of God idea and put it into this, what Jesus is saying, remember, he's giving us the answer to the overload of a complex life, a life that is pulled, a life that feels like it's disintegrating in so many ways, a life that is marked by worry and anxiety, the peace that we definitely, definitely want in this life. He says it comes from this point all of our lives towards one pursuit. I just want God's kingdom. I just want his presence. I just want that, that, uh, that living in that reality where he is in charge completely and fully and totally. And I know that this is like a really hard concept to actually like pin down into our lives, but I just want to give you a thread to pull on. I want to give you uh, an overview of what I think this means, some examples of it, and then at the end, something really practical. But here's the reality. I am just going to give you some ideas to get you started. And the way this was designed is that you actually have to take it and work it out in your everyday lives. But I just want to get you started in this direction. I really, I want you to take it and go, man, this is really, if Jesus is giving us one thing, like one thing to focus on in this life, one aim, one pursuit, let's not just think about it on Sunday morning and just move on. Like, let's go, all right, this is, this is important. If Jesus is pinning it all down to something, let's just dig into what that means. Okay, so here we go. I'm going to try to give you some examples of what it is and something practical, but here's what I think it is. This, like, again, it's really big. I'm just going to try to do my best with part of it here. But I believe that seek first the kingdom is actually an invitation to live an integrated life. All right, let me, let me help you with what I mean by that. An integrated life, and this is where I think the simplicity and the, the peace that we long for will come in, that, um, that we'll be able to kind of overcome some of the divisiveness that we feel in our souls when we move all of our life around one center, God's kingdom. Move all of our life around God's kingdom. So let me give you an example from my own life. I lived for a really long time with kind of this um, uh, like heaviness or weightiness kind of on my being. And I didn't really recognize was what it was, but I lived in this unsettled divisiveness is the only way I can describe it. But here's how it worked out. Here's my experience. When I was working, I always felt like I should have been sitting and like playing with my kids or reading to my kids. 
But when I'm sitting and playing and reading with my kids, I felt like I should be cleaning the house. The dishes are piling up. But when I'm cleaning the dishes, I felt like, you know what? I shouldn't be cleaning. I should be in worship right now. Like I should be, you know, just in the other room, like worshiping God. Right. And when I was in worship, I kind of felt like I should be out there caring for the poor. They, they, this is what Jesus told us to do, right? But when I'm caring with the poor, I felt like, why aren't I, why am I not reading my Bible? I should be reading my Bible. But when I'm reading my Bible, I felt like I should be deepening my marriage right now. Like my husband is like this, you know, call this how I love Jesus. I love my husband, right? When I'm present with my friends, I feel like, well, shouldn't you be working on church growth, Molly? Like, and on and around and around. Does anybody ever do this? And I, I, I didn't recognize that I just never really felt like whatever I was doing, God actually wanted something else. Whatever I was doing was wrong because God actually was asking something else of me and I could never get it right with him. I could never live at this peaceful sense of like, oh, no, no, he's in this and, and what I'm doing is okay and it's good. And I live with this, I all I could describe it as like an assault on my heart, a war within me, where I could never really settle into whatever I was doing because it was always this kind of constant guilt trip of, mm, I'm missing it again. And so I lived in this internal state of chasing or striving or regret, pulled after many things, pulled after many things, right? Until I got this glimpse of what Jesus is inviting us into, of seek first the kingdom. And I believe that God wants us, invites us to live wholly, fully under the broad covering of his kingdom, that all of this life was meant to be integrated into this one pursuit, this one aim, seek first my kingdom, my presence, where I am, my rule, my power, my governance, again, over everything. That actually all my life could be lived in submission to his ways, in his rule, in his presence. Because if I'm seeking first the kingdom of God, it means that God's kingdom can be found in all of my life, right? It can, I can find evidence of his kingdom everywhere I go and everything I do. So I can discover the truth of God when I'm out on a walk on a spring-like day, right? I could discover his faithfulness when I'm on a run in the morning. I could find his love, you know, present when I'm working. I could find his wisdom when I'm trying to work through something in a relationship with my kids. I could provide his, his, I could find his provision in the midst of cooking, or writing, or reading, or playing, or whatever I was doing. So as a parent, as a friend, as a worker, as a pastor, as all these different parts of my life, all my pursuits could bring me to the fullness of his kingdom, right? Like that is such an exciting, relieving message to come into that he is empowering and he is providing for all of our life, guys, all of the different roles and the different places that we find ourselves. So living integrated. I believe that the kingdom, seek first the kingdom, is an invitation to live integrated. So that means what it isn't, then, is that we don't segregate out the kingdom of God. That it isn't just one of many parts of our lives, right? We don't have our work part, our financial part, our education part, our worship part, our, you know, fun part. We don't have these different parts of our lives. This is what Thomas Kelly said in A Testament of Devotion. He said this, Religion, or I would say the kingdom of God, religion isn't something to be added to our other duties and thus make our lives more complex. 
The life with God is the center of life. And all else is remodeled and integrated by it. It gives singleness of I. But isn't this the the default that we just reset to over and over and over again? Adding God to the other duties, the other have-tos, the other components. He's just one more thing to add. And we think, we okay, I just need to add what God wants uh, for me as a child of God to all the other parts of my life. Oh my goodness. And then discouraged and shame, we just are like, you know, I missed it. I missed it again. And we kind of sneak back and we pull back from that center where he is in all and be in, you know, through all and because of all, right? And we have this great worship set and we come back and we just vow again. Yes, God, you can have it all. You can have it all. You're worthy of it all. You can have it all on Sunday morning. And then Tuesday hits, and uh, the dog was up all night, right? And um, the the shoveled snow needs to be shoveled, and um, a kid is sick, and whatever, on and on. And then all of a sudden, we're like, okay, I'm just going to fit. I can read my Bible for 15 minutes at my lunch break. And we're just fitting God into a part of it where he's like, no, I actually want to be a part of it all. It isn't part of our lives. It wasn't designed, guys, the kingdom of God was not designed to work that way. It actually lies above it all. It lies above it all. And so I want us to do this. I want us to make the kingdom of God that one aim. And I love that Jesus has promised as it becomes one aim, well, then we live in the addition where he says everything else will be added, right? Everything else will be given. Everything else is added. As you seek this one thing, we submit to it above all. So that is a bit from my life. And here's what it might look like. Let Let me show you from Daniel, an example in the Bible. And Daniel was an Israelite, he was a God worshiper, and he was taken out of Israel, his home, and he was taken off as captive to Babylon, where he had to live in another kingdom, a pagan kingdom, under another king, right? And so, in some ways, we can relate to this story, because here we are as, like, believers in the kingdom of God, but but our home is in heaven, but we have to live on this earth, right? We, we still have to live in this other culture, and, and with other things that, that are in charge on this earth. And so, here is Dave or Daniel, and he is given this job to serve this pagan king on his behalf. So he's in Babylon, and he's living out life in Babylon, and he's experiencing the highs and the lows of life in Babylon. And he he had these amazing victories. He had these like incredible things that he accomplished in his life. He interpreted dreams and mysteries for the king that no wise men could interpret. And then um, he he's like lavish, the honor is lavished on him, titles, position, gifts. He has like the best of everything. He's like high promoted. He's doing all these great things. So he has the highs of Babylon, right? But then he also has the lows. He has some hardship. His three best friends are thrown into this fiery furnace because they worship God. And he has to watch his friends go through this. And can you imagine like the fear and what's happening that week as they're preparing for what's ahead? So there's like the hardship of it. But then this miraculous outcome, the friends are fine, right? So then we're back up and it's like these highs and lows and he's doing great things. But then all the other rulers of the land hate him. They like singled him out. They rejected him. You know, like he doesn't fit in with the other politicians and rulers, right? So he's dealing with the projection from people. And it's again, the highs and lows. So how does he make it through the pulls of this world, the good things, the fame, the honor, and then the hardships? How does he make it through? 
Because he stays, we see that he, he stays with his heart still devoted. So he lives on this earthly kingdom, but his heart is devoted to the heavenly king through it all. So how, how does he make it through? How does his heart not just get entangled and like come apart from whatever's going on in the world, whether it's good or bad, right? How? How did he live in Babylon under the rule of an earthly king? Well, here's a little secret that we see. So remember when this law goes out, and this law goes out that, um, again, the rulers are trying to get him because they hate him. So they send out this rule that says, you can't worship any other gods, only the earthly king in this day. Like, if you caught, you are, you're, you know, you'll be killed, right? So this decree goes out. Can't worship any, any other king but the earthly king. And so here's Daniel's response to that. This is in verse 6. Um, yeah, no, chapter 6, verse 10. It says this. Now, when Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened towards Jerusalem. Three times a day, he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. So whatever news came out in Babylon, Daniel had a regular way of living, right? Just this decree doesn't make any difference from the day before. What had happened, he has a way just as he had done before, and here's his way. He goes upstairs to his room, and the room, the windows, he has these open windows towards Jerusalem. Why Jerusalem? Do you guys remember what happened in Jerusalem? It's where the temple of God was, right? This was home. This is where God's presence was. This is where God was worshipped. This is where God reigned above every other God. This, it represented, I think, in so many ways, his rule, his kingdom, his power above. And so Daniel had pointed his heart towards God's presence. He had pointed his heart, his heart towards home, towards this kingdom where God was God above all, whatever happened on the earth. So he had a usual way about him. His heart was already devoted to this place where God is king first and foremost. So whatever news came in, whether it was good news or bad news, whether it was a new decree or an old way, an old cultural way, it didn't make any difference. David's heart was set towards the kingdom. It was already set toward home. It was a regular practice of his to come back time and time again. No, there is one king that I submit to. There is one rule that has my heart, and it is the God of heaven. What he says, come what may on this earth, I am already, my heart is already pointed. So he could, he could live from this upstairs room. And I believe this is a picture for us to live from the upstairs room where our windows are open and pointed towards heaven. First and foremost, in our heart, it's this priority. God above all. God above all. God first. His ways before the world's ways. His news and his truth before, before any edict or law that comes through this earth. So whatever was happening out in the streets... Down below his upstairs room, Daniel's heart was already committed. It was already pointed towards Jerusalem. He had forged another way of life. Seek first the kingdom. Seek first the kingdom and everything else will be given to you, Daniel. Whatever is supposed to be the bits and pieces that are supposed to be worked out in your life, they will. Because he served another king continually. That was his way of life. His heart was home. And so this is what I'm asking, guys. Whatever chaos might be happening downstairs, whatever chaos is happening out on the street, it might be loud and demanding that our first attention, that our biggest concern is pointed towards home, towards God's ways, towards his truth, towards eternity where he, he already rules 
which is an amazing concept to try to get our brain around, that eternity is, is just right over this really short little, thin little veil, is it not? So this is the invitation. Establish the way of life. Establish it, the priority of your life. Come upstairs and point your heart towards home. That God is the aim, his kingdom is the aim, where he rules in faithfulness, where his love will never fail you, where he is just and he is righteous, where he is completely in charge of the times. We, again, we were watching Chosen last night, and I don't know who said it. Somebody said it, but they said, Caesar thinks he has rule. It, it's an illusion. There's an earthly king. He thinks that he's in charge, but it's an illusion of power and authority because there is one king. There is one king over it all. That actually, the people who seem to be in charge here, like God, this proverb says that God can move their heart like water in his hand. That his ways are above worldly mindsets and opinions and judgments and ideas. So I believe that living above the world from the upstairs window would sound like this. Do we live in the steady peace of God? A peace down at the very depths of our souls where all strain is gone. And God is already victor over the world, already victor over our weaknesses. This life, this abiding, enduring peace that never fails, this serene power and unhurried conquest, inward conquest over ourselves, outward conquest over the world, is meant to be ours. It's meant to be ours as we seek first the kingdom, right? And so here's what I want you to do, guys. Here's the picture. I want you, like Daniel, to set your nav towards home. I want you to set your nav towards home, your lasting home, your true home under God's eternal kingdom where he alone is king. I want you to pop the coordinates of Jerusalem into your nav today. Now, I want us to make the decision first before other things might come and pull us later this afternoon or tomorrow morning or the next day. I want us to set it in. I want us to set in the coordinates of the kingdom. And I believe this is the coordinates with Thomas said, where God is already victor over the world and already victor over our weaknesses. He's already won. That this is our one true final destination. We set it in and then the rest of life is just to drive home, guys. The rest of life is just to drive home. We're already headed home, right? And there's these moments where we can look out the window. Our nav is set home and we're driving home. We can look out the window and we can enjoy the scene that we see from our car, right? But we're headed home. And then there's going to be days where we're going to look out the window and we're like, you know what? I actually don't like what I see out the window right now. I don't really like where I'm at. I don't like what's happening out there. But nonetheless, I'm headed home, right? I'm headed home. And I think for so many of us, um, we we get caught in these moments of looking out the window and and making judgments about outcomes and things that aren't set yet because we're still headed home. Right? We're, still, we're still in this process of, of heading home. And I felt like I could see in worship, God was almost like showing me, like, hey, listen, this is what we are. We're like this school of fish, and we're in this current, and we're all headed home. And this is the power of the church, where we're all headed home. And I can tell you this, that Kevin and I have set in our nav that we are going to seek first the kingdom and all of our lives. Like, I don't know, you know, if we're going to have small group programs, and I don't, I don't really know what's going to happen with missions, and I have no idea what's going to happen with our budget, truly, truly. But nonetheless, here's what I can tell you stand in front of you and tell you that this church is headed towards the kingdom, that we are going to seek first the kingdom. And this is the current that we're inviting you into, that we go and we go together. And as we go together, I just saw other fish getting kind of like swept in to the current because it's a strong current because we're all headed home. 
We're all seeking first the kingdom. It's the one thing that we have set our hearts towards. So here's where the practical bit comes in. Because again, this sounds like a good idea, but how do we actually take ground and simplify our heart around this one desire to seek first the kingdom? This is where practical help is needed. We need reminders that we've set our nav towards home, right? Well, how many of you guys know that this Wednesday starts Lent? I, th- I was on my drive here. I'm like, Jesus, were we just in Advent? Like, what? Another? Okay, here we are in Lent. So Lent is, starts Wednesday. And what I've done is I've made a practical guide for Seek First the Kingdom. And what I'd like us to do is take Lent as a season of Seeking First the Kingdom. I want us just to focus in on this, the invitation from Jesus for the next six weeks. And I've made a guide to Lent. And I've taken um, different weeks. And I've tried to give you something practical to start, again, experiencing and practicing and stirring up creativity and encounters that the kingdom is, is above all and it's over all and it can be in all the different parts of our lives. And so I've made some different practices that I'd love for you just to experiment with and just see what draws you into the reality that God's kingdom lies above, that you are set your nav towards home, that you're, he's your one desire and we're going to pull him in. We're going to be, you know, just right, right in the heart of his kingdom So I have um, some copies in the back. This is like, I'd actually rather steer you towards the PDF. There's a PDF that's going to come out. Yes, Sarah's giving me the thumbs up in your newsletter. um, It's going to be its own newsletter Monday or Tuesday. And everything will be right there in the PDF. But if you prefer to have a paper copy, you can take one. They're not pretty. There's a typo. (laughs) But we're going to see first the kingdom. (laughs) It's okay. Um, so, but if you prefer that copy, it's there. So it's six weeks of practicing this, this all my life, experiencing, seeking first the kingdom's experiments of that, of moving towards him first and foremost. So, um, so that's going to be back there, but I'm really excited about what God might do in our lives as we aim all we have towards him. And we've set our nap towards him. We bring our heart back and back to the upstairs room time and time and time again, that we keep moving towards his kingdom with all that we have, because I just want us to know like, what, what, what would it be like instead of being pulled by the shoulds and the regrets and the the, I'm not ever really getting it right to just live again and again in a centered peace. I've set everything I have before him and we're moving towards his kingdom. So we're going to actually end with a worship song. I thought it would be nice to come kind of back because a lot of times worship uh, just helps us kind of like just solidify in our hearts this desire for God and above all and in all and through all and knowing his kingdom. So we're going to end with just a song, kind of a response of like, setting our hearts back towards him, his kingdom, his rule, his love, his presence as our main desire, our one thing that we're going after. And so, um, so why don't we stand up and these guys are going to get themselves situated and we're going to, again, this is just a response of like, okay, God, here is my heart. I see this invitation to seek first your kingdom, that it would settle some of the complexities and divisiveness that I feel in my soul, that I can live in the simplicity, this bedrock, bedrock of peace that comes from, I chose the, the, the one thing. I'm aiming my life towards the one thing, and God will take care of the adding to the rest that needs to be added to. So, so here are our hearts, God, here are our hearts. We lay them before you, and we put the aim of our lives towards your kingdom, towards your rule, your presence. Where you are king and you are sovereign. 
And we let all the things we're carrying and the concerns and the worries and the roles and the responsibilities. We let them come under the power of your rule right now. The things that were that are pulling us, the things that have tugged at our heart or taken out, crowded out the love of our heart. We just we just lay them before you right now, God. Set our nab, we just set it into the system of our our hearts and our lives that we're so yes, for your kingdom, all for your kingdom, God, all for your kingdom. All under you. You give them just the things that maybe you felt like you just didn't realize that you were just doing on your own strength and trying to figure out in your own ways. Just let them come back under the aim of His kingdom, under the focus of His His ways, His ways above. Yeah, we just recognize that. Our hearts are already yours in heaven, God, under your rule. And yep, we, we live in on this earth. We live in Babylon in so many ways. And where that's felt really hard and heavy and like too much, God, just come right now. Just come with your grace. Just come with your grace. Come with your peace of your kingdom. are just kind of like just recommitting to this focus of like oh it's just felt you felt so divided and kind of tormented and just the peace of saying yes to this invitation of Jesus for all your life to seek first the kingdom he'll work the rest of it out he'll work the rest of it out yeah